Welcome to the Cat Hanger on 2SER 107.3 FM. We'd like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land in which we broadcast and record this show, the Gadigal of the Urination, and we pay our respects to elders past and present. The Cat Hanger is a show and podcast where we tackle women's footy with a Sydney view. Now, I'm your guest host, Peter Holden, filling in for last week's guest host, the stunning Emma Phillips, but I'm not filling in for Fee Lamb because joining us this week... Fiona Lamb coming to you from Garingai country. Yay. Just reminding you that I'm still here because M was so great and Pete's been so fab. I just want to feel needed occasionally. <laughs> and I'm still in the show. Coach Kiwi coming to you from Wurundjeri country in the Eastern Kulin Nation. And I'm back from outer space. Tracy Kick coming to you from Darawal land. Coming up on this week's show, it's Show Me The Money. We're going to talk about the AFL Players Association setting a deadline for when they want players to be full-time in the AFLW. A couple of sides not looking all that flash in the AFLW and some, well, kicking, just generally knocking, not looking all that flash, as Coach Kiwi will touch on. But first of all, welcome back, Fee Lamb, and I've noted... For those that uh, can't see at home, obviously, because you're listening on the radio, you're not wearing a GWS Giants jumper. Please explain yourself. I don't think I have one, actually. I've got a cap, which I wore out and about um, earlier today. But this um, this Guernsey I'm wearing is the, the first Pride Guernsey that I think was available ever in AFLW. So it's a, it's a Bulldogs one with the stripes, the hoops, if you like of the rainbow flag. And I was there at that match, which was fantastic against Carlton. So it was when when um, Pride was actually just one match in the round between Carlton and um, the Bulldogs. Who and was got, it the game in Hamilton? No. Um, no it was BFLW. Oh, was that BFLW? Because yeah, that's my hometown, you know. Oh, right. Same hometown <laughs> as Emma Carney, by the way. Right. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> no, so this was Witten Oval. We were at, and it was Very it nice. was I was I actually um, I think I missed I think I missed the um, ball up. But what I found really moving from the footage then, and what's been repeated since, is the two sides walk through the um, banner, the banner together. I, it's a it seems really moving. simple, but it's quite a moving gesture. And yeah. if, if I recall that day, that was the day Brooke Lachlan kicked seven goals. Yep. I was just going to say the that, one. yeah. We were there. <laughs> that hasn't been repeated. No. <laughs> no. No. Well, that invites a whole team sometimes. <laughs> yeah, so I often wear this Guernsey and my Giants cap and um, occasionally get weird looks from people who think, why are you wearing two? And it's like, let's say FLW, we can support many teams and many people. Were you confused? <laughs> or that? <laughs> well, and so- that was the year Bulldogs went on and won uh, won their premiership. Yes. Well, talking about support for the AFLW, the players of the AFLW would like financial support. The AFL Players Association has come out during the week and said, by 2026, we want players to be paid full time. Now, we do recall before the start of the season, the AFL put out a media release, which was described as light and fluffy by some of the coaches in the press by saying it was just aspirational that 
players would be given year-round contracts. Note the avoidance of saying the word uh, full-time. That was a 10-year vision. But Tracy Kick, I'll start with you. The AFL Players Association, by that timeline, means the AFL has got really four years to try and meet that demand of full-time money. That will be interesting, won't it? Because, you know, we've got the expansion next year and and we're still really to understand when the season will occur um, and whether or not it, it'll remain in summer and how we will get to full-time money. I think by that stage, I hope 100% that it happens. It has to happen. But I'm not sure, I'm not clear if anyone's clear on the pathway to that and how they're going to achieve it um, and what full time will actually mean in the AFLW. So I'm not really adding to the discussion other than to say, hmm, I hope so. I hope it happens. Coach Kiwi. Yeah, I'd be interested to know just how much money they put into it because then they'd be the, I would guess, asking the players to give up their actual careers. And remember, we've got doctors, midwives, teachers, police officers, paramedics. We've got some, you know, on some high-valued salaries. Are we going to ask them to give that up? And then does it become a national draft? Do we then, you know, have enough funds or enough payment in to move players across states. Let me throw to you an idea that was put by Wayne Seekman, the former Collingwood AFLW coach on Twitter about a week ago. And this could probably tie into the full-time pay um, uh, debate. Um, He was suggesting and talking about how the expansion sites were so weak and saying, can we get to a stage where we can have a national draft and all the sides get cleared out and we essentially start again What's your thoughts on that? It's a radical proposal by a former coach saying, let's just scrap everything that we've done so far since we've got all 18 teams and everyone just pick from player one again. Well, it would mean that the AFL, the AFL AFLW would have to actually um, put their money where their mouth is. And um, because, of course, uh, until now, it has not been a national draft and it's been a state-based draft. So... Uh, it's going to be quite literally a level playing field One, if if they were to do this sort of thing. If it becomes a national draft, I don't even know if that is the plan once all, all the t- final teams come in. Uh, but if they did that and they paid a, what is it, play, working from home? Not working from <laughs> home, working away from home. What is that? What's that um, acronym? The funds? <laughs> no. The cola? The, the cola. The cola. Uh, it, it, if, if, first of all, if players were, were paid a decent wage, and second of all, if they were paid the cola, which stands for, of course. Cost of living allowance. Cost of living allowance. Then players might want to come – more players might want to come to GWS. More players might want to move – to uh, if they're players coming from Victoria, <laughs> and most of them are, then more might be willing to to go further afield. I think I think the big problem is, and he he made this statement before 
last week's Adelaide Bulldogs game. So he was really having a dig that the top teams are way above the bottom teams and, and results one-sided. And there has been a bunch of one-sided results. And and that kind of game came right in at the timing where a lot of people got to say back to him, hey, did you just see that? <laughs> a team from down low beat Adelaide, who are supposed to be premiers. Um, but the reality is, if you look at the bottom of the ladder, we've got Giants down there. We've got Carlton down there. And they're from the first season. So in six years, if they're not able to balance the list and get it right and take out wins against these new teams that have imbalanced sides, then, you know, going back and redrafting everyone once again, that's not going to matter. I think there's a difference in the way some states and the culture of football and the style that coaches teach and grow and um, and I don't think that matters whether we start the draft all over again. We're still going to have an imbalance of who's at the top and who's at the bottom. Yeah, I, Kiwi, I think the other thing is, like, what about the legacy of what's been created? Like, you can't just wipe history and, Absolutely. you know, go from the start and say, well, none of that actually counted because it's serious now and now we've got 18 sides and now we're going to have a proper national draft. So we have to build on what what was what has been developed um, and what has been, you know, successfully developed, although limited in, you know, in the ways that could have been potentially. I think the other thing is, you know, your point about um, the the talent in teams. You know, if we if we were to wipe the slate team clean, we see players move from team to team, and this happens in any sport. Um, some teams thrive in some environments, uh, some players thrive in some environments and some players don't. And so it's not always just about the quality of the players. Um, we could cite heaps of examples in the AFLW of players that moved from one environment to another, weren't even playing an hour in their, you know, their weekly um, teams and thriving. So, yeah, I, I don't, you know, I don't think for a minute we can do that. But um you know, I think. Can you imagine point. Daisy Pierce playing for anyone other than <laughs> Melbourne Demons? Really, <laughs> like there's legacy there, right? Mm. And there's players that are just through and through, and they've got jobs through their clubs or doing development programs for their clubs and things like that. So, yeah, you can take yeah. them out of that. But I do think plenty of people can imagine Erin Phillips playing for uh, Port Adelaide. She made well, that quite Colin easy. Would, <laughs> Colin could then go back and fix that mistake of um, the father-daughter rule. Well, I think Chloe Malloy, you know, left an indelible kind of <laughs> comment today that she wasn't yep. going anywhere fast, so yep. she, she yep. better stay at Collingwood. But um, mm. but I think your other point, Kiwi, about um, a livable wage, I mean, if you're already on a professional wage, then, you know, a, a kind of beginning full-time wage equivalent to the men's program at 60K isn't going to cut it, right? You know, you could, you could halve your wage easily. Um, to play football, and that's that's a, that's the same kind of sacrifice as people are making now. In a way, that's my other reflection. I'll just end on this note by saying I had the privilege for about a year or so ago uh, interviewing Dr. Tiana Ernst, who won a flag with the Bulldogs and played one season with the Gold Coast Suns. And uh, in my interview with her, uh, obviously she is a uh, gynecologist by practice. Uh, I said, "Would you have been able to play had the competition been full time from day dot?" And she actually said, "No, she would have put her career first. Um, and 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 essentially, when she left, she was still playing good enough where she could have continued on in the AFLW. But again, uh, reiterated that uh, her career came first, 
And that's the sacrifice sometimes with full time that some will make the decision to go with career instead of sport. I'm talking Can I put that to you then? The longer this takes to become full time, the more our current crop of athletes have developed their career paths or created higher or moved up in the in the corporate world that their salaries are going to exceed what the AFL can offer and we may then lose them. Mm, agree. Very good point by Coach Kiwi. Tracy Kick mentioned earlier saying maybe we shouldn't wipe history. Maybe two teams this weekend would have preferred their history to be wiped. Two teams did not score a goal this weekend. St Kilda will touch on soon. They only scored two behinds and a firmly rooted to the bottom of the ladder. But, of course, this is the Sydney show. We have to talk about the GWS Giants. Tracy, five behinds on their home ground against Henson Park. But in a way, to be fair, they were playing the top side, the Adelaide Crows. To be fair, you could say that. But um, to be honest, um, you know, the number of inside 50s, the usage inside 50s, the Crows, number of marks inside 50s, I think it was 17 to 2 marks inside 50s, the tackles inside 50 for the Crows, more than double that of the Giants. Um, I think the Giants felt like they were coming back to Henson where they'd had success. And I've got to say that really that was on the back of the Bulldogs' poor effort to convert while they were inside 50,000 million times. Um, I think they felt that they were back and they were confident. They put their experience back into the side and um, and they just forgot to play, to be honest. The forwards, there, num- there was, you know, a forward, a couple of people didn't touch the ball at all. Um, there were people who rarely touched it. Um, Eloise Jones, Hatchard and Ebony Marinoff just ran rings around them. Um, and, of course, Ebony Marinoff, I think, uh, reached her 1,000 disposal. We know she's a tackling machine. She did 16 tackles in that game. Um, but Giants were just disappointing. They just didn't ever look like they were going to school, to be honest. Um, they battled hard. Pepper Randall battled hard in defence. But the ball, you know, the defenders had a lot of the ball because the ball was spent most of the time in, in the Adelaide half. Um, I don't know what they're going to do next. I really don't know. I, I listened to Alan's post-match review and um, he talked about having rested a couple to bring them in Wednesday, a couple of the young ones. But uh, I think a couple of the older ones might need to have a rest, to be honest. Um, and we've talked about the list before. I just don't think there's the depth in the list. So they've got a pretty easy run, kind of an easy run home, though. So um, could turn it around, I suppose. But, yeah, they just weren't good enough. I wonder about this resting thing, right? Jess Doyle is one who was rested. I think it was the only one rested. The others were omitted. But anyway, she's 18, right? What 18-year-old doesn't have bundles of energy? But aside from that, she's only played three games this season. She played, I think, in round two, three, and six, something like that. So she's she hasn't played all of them, and I'm hoping they're managing her outside of football as well. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, I will look at that. Yeah, like you said, some of the older ones. My question is in watching the game is – um, they lost Erin McKinnon as a ruck, so that meant Ali Morfitt got to start, which is – it would have been good to hear the commenters say McKinnon on McKinnon, but anyway, we missed out that opportunity. So we had Morfitt in there. Um, now, when Morfitt wasn't rucking, who do you reckon rucked? 
Did you notice? 167 centimetres, 168 centimetres, 173 centimetres, especially in our defensive 50. There are tall people, taller than, stacked at a lot of rucking. She's 173. Why is she rucking in our defensive 50 when we've got Erin down there, former basketballer, She's not tall, but she's 176. Hetherington did some rucking. She's 176. Like, we've got a whole bunch down there, um, Georgia Gunny at 176. We're short We've discussed this over years, but we have to have a better option than somebody at 173 doing rucking in the defensive 50 when really she needs to be marking up. And take Macro and Katie Loins. Are they our next best options as rucks? What's going on? Alicia Eva taking kick-ins. My question is, are we just disorganised on the field or are we asking certain players from other lines to come into, you know, say midfielders to come and do the backline work? Are we not trusting the defence? You know, it just seems to me like there's a crossover and some players have been given multiple roles on a field rather than one and doing that one role extremely well. Um, I've got to to say, Kiwi, um, you know, Eva played on the wing most of the game um, and... Um, you could see her, her frustration was obvious, um, not not just at herself, but at the whole team. And as a captain, you know the contagion of um, of any kind of negative vibe. But um, I audibly, and I was probably thirty meters from the boundary, I audibly heard her throw the f bomb when a kick in made it to the boundary and and over her head um and you know so that frustration's there and also like to your point you know how how do you you know are they just clutching at straws are they just trying like random stuff to you know because as you said there's just because you lose Erin and yeah you know she gets a lot of hit outs but she doesn't do a lot around the ground so you know what where are rather mobile tools. And there's a lot of things that can't. happen in the game where I think we can't go back and blame the coaches. Like there's players that are giving a handball to somebody under pressure. I saw Alicia Eva hold someone and give away a free kick, you know, when they were clearing the ball out of the defence and just put the defence back under. And that's your captain. And it's just stupid little things, you know. We're, we're getting the ball and dropping it straight to our boot instead of actually hitting up a target. And, and they're not things that I'm sure their coaches have said, go out there and do this. Like these are just players who I think are just not playing at the level that they've been signed onto these contracts. And I think, you know, they've got to put some onus on themselves to, you know, lift their games and and come out with 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 better fundamentals. You know, and the running over pressure, their scrambles. Because the Adelaide mm. pressure of course is elite, right? So that's yes. a real test, right? So, you know, it's not it's not to be unexpected, but for it to be that well, having ob- said that, obvious. is it something like over forty of their points came from um, turnovers? So where's our run back? And that's just work rate. And and coaches will ask it and beg for it and scream at players to do it. But that onus is on a player to get back. And there was one time in the game and it was two Giants defenders, I think it was Stack and Hetherington perhaps, against four Adelaide forwards. Where's their help? Like it should be 1v1 back there. But, you know, it's just it's, – it's work rate. And it's – I guess how much do you – how much are you caring? How much – or – are they really tired? You know, they're having back-to-back games. They've now got something like, I think, three games in eight days. 
are they, you know, is it really having this much of an impact that they can't keep up? And Adelaide, that was a grumpy Adelaide. They had a loss last week they don't want to lose, but they've had a whole week rest. So there's a big difference in, in the loading through the legs as well. So um, are we getting a fair competition just purely out of the fixture? I mean, I think you've asked the Giants, they'll say no, because I know that Alan was talking about it in the media during the week. But the other thing is if, if Adelaide had kicked straight, even if they'd kicked 15-5, you know, the score would have been 95-5. to five. Um, So, you know, it was it was a whitewash. Um and I don't know what they'll do to change it up for Wednesday night, to be honest. Let's have a look at the other game that uh, saw not a goal kicked by one team, and that was Carlton and St Kilda. This was billed as second last versus last. Coming into this game, there was a lot of heat on Daniel Harford for where Carlton have been over their seasons and where they're at now. They were sitting second last with the worst percentage in the league. Note that, worst percentage in the league and then Carlton route St Kilda, 7-6-48 to just the two behind. On St Kilda's side, we do make note, they only had 23 fit players to select from. Carlton had 29 fit players, but both sides have been in the doldrum. And St Kilda, the woes keep on with a rookie coach. Look, they started that game with a hiss and a roar. They got those points early on. I think it was within one or two minutes of those points. It looked like they were in the game, they've come to play, look out Carlton. And then that was it. That was it. They it just they they just didn't tag up, they didn't transition, they didn't hit up teammates when they got the ball in their hands, they didn't complete tackles. Um and I don't think Carlton looked that sharp but St Kilda gave them some space and allowed them to get those goals. And what are, what are our thoughts then? You know, I mean, we've talked a, a little bit about this before, but, um, you know, Del Santo um, and his coaching pedigree, um, you know, is is this a, a, an awakening for the Saints, do you think? Is it, is it you know, what do you think is going to happen as a result of that? Well, they did show promise in previous seasons, didn't they? Even at the start of this season, they were competitive. There is a school of thinking when we were chatting on air on uh, Wolf Radio on uh, Saturday morning at Icon Park where we said how uh, the heat was on Daniel Harford and maybe Del Santo has escaped the blowtorch because of how Carlton are going. Now I've noticed on social media the Saints fans are turning and turning quickly on their own on Del Santo. A few are defending by saying the list, and yes, there is um, a valid uh, opinion there. But mind you, Peter Sell had to deal with that list as well. Yes, there is two uh, that we do have to point out. Smith had that ACL, and of course, Patrikios doing her own research has, uh, has skipped out in the season. But the, the, the one interesting thing is, and I think it, it's possibly management of the team and the personalities, is we had the week prior playing in the reserves in the VFLW, their original marquee signings, Kate McCarthy, and Nat X on there. And I do apologise. I know there was a third AFLW player who's just slipped my mind. But they were playing in the reserves. And when you think of X on and McCarthy thinking, right, senior players who'd probably show some leadership skills, they're playing there. And maybe is the season now running out because you've got those senior players like McCarthy and X on who may not be admitting it, 
and it may not be admitting it to themselves. Maybe subconsciously they're thinking or checking out going, I'm about to be delisted, aren't I, at the end of the year? I'm out. So if they might be subconsciously disinterested in the remainder of the season and you've got the youngsters who are looking around for some leadership, their gun player Patrikios isn't there, their gun player Smith isn't there, yes, there's Shearlaw and one or two others, but the likes of Greiser, et cetera, are all out of form. It seems to be almost like a rudderless ship going through water. Yeah, Peter, I, in, in the tipping, I actually tipped the Saints foolishly because I saw Nanax on and McCarthy coming back into the side and I thought, here comes some experience. And I thought that might be settling and Carlton certainly hadn't shown anything uh, that much already in the season. But uh, totally, it, it's really, you know, and I think the thing is we can blame lists, right? But coaches have a say in those lists. It's not like the lists are done without the coach's input. And, in fact, often in my experience, in my only experience, um, the coach definitely had a say in the list. In in fact, the coach had the final say in the list. So, you know, we can't just say it's the list managers or, you know, the other staff. So coaches are not, you know, not just making the decisions week to week and making the game day and the game plan. They're actually making decisions about the list with information provided to them. So... If you play lower-level football, you might get away with this one player is going to win you the games. But this level of football, you cannot rely on getting wins off one or two players. You have to have strength across um, every line. And and you, you mentioned, like, Caitlin Greiser. Is she out of form? Well, she only had three disposals. Oh, sorry, yeah, three disposals. But she made six tackles. So that's quite high up the scale of tackling in her team when Tilly Lucas Rod made nine and she's the highest tackler of that match. So then that says to me, what was the quality of the ball sent to Caitlin? And a few times they were sending it down to her knees or sending it wide and she's a big, tall girl. Her strength is her overhead marking. Put it overhead to her. That's where she's going to, you know, put put some grabs on the ball and kick the goals. And I just think, you know, their, their whole feed going into that forward line is just not of any quality. And, you know, even with Shearlaw, she is a pack-busting forward. She's got quality through the air, but we're not even seeing that. And, you know, I think we're relying on her to, you know, get clean below her knees a lot more often than we are relying on her strength through the years. So, yeah, I think there's something more that's going on in the way that they're moving the ball around the field. Um, and I don't think you can I don't think you can completely blame the list. There's still good players in it. And, you know, Exxon's she's she's played at some different clubs. She's been a quality player. Um McCarthy, you know, she's got speed to burn and you know she, if you can feed the tall forwards, she's got the speed that'll come in and get the ground balls and, you know, dart off and get a get a shot on, on one foot. So I don't know why, you know, put her in the back line. Do we need, do the Saints need that? It's not really working out. Well, since you mentioned forwards, uh, Coach Kiwi, that allows us to get into our next subject, which is goal kicking, inaccurate goal kicking across the board. The Lions, who pumped uh, the, the Gold Coast Suns on Thursday night, kicked 12 goals, 13. So that could have been a bigger blowout. The Bulldogs, who beat the Cats, they kicked three goals, 10. As we've talked about, Adelaide kicked five goals, 15. Um, Carlton, 7-6, a bit more respectable. 
Richmond's 10-8 in their win against uh, West Coast. Um, and the Kangaroos-Collingwood game was actually rather reasonable. But we are seeing a lot of games where we're getting into double digits with the behinds. Coach Kiwi, first of all, what do you see as the problem to this inaccurate kicking, which is not strictly to one club? It is is going throughout the competition. I think some of this is around the speed of our smaller players who've got on the ground and that they're faster to get and chase down tackles or apply pressure around the ball. So a lot of these misses, and I know even in Adelaide's case, it wasn't so much set shots that are off target apart from Daniel Ponta perhaps, but, um, you know, does she get nine points for hitting the stick that many times? <laughs> I don't know. Um, but a lot of these shots are when the ball is angles and off balance and you know they're just really trying to throw through get the ball from a from a contest and throw it to the foot and just um whack it off. And I think that's um that's when we're getting a lot of inaccuracy, but it's the pressure at the, at those contests and the pressure around the player that they're just not getting time to you know, drive their legs a little bit and get their hips balanced before they take those shots. So I think that's what it is. Adelaide have been known over the years to have one game or two games where they get double figures in um, in behinds as well. I don't know. It's it's one of their things, but I'm not sure what the stats are. If they're the seasons where they then come out and win a premiership, there might be something in that. Um, but yeah, we are, we are seeing a lot more behinds and, you know, is it two things? Players less time to go and work on their craft for set shots or are we seeing less marks inside 50? Or is there less time... Um, in in bringing the ball in, that the speed around the smaller players is just applying a lot more pressure and 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 no time to balance up. Tracy, how do you diagnose the problem? I think part of what Kiwi is saying, I think you see a lot of players sitting behind the ball, so it's very congested inside fifty. Um, so I think direct shots to goal, but. Um, case in point Adelaide, I mean, they took 17 marks, I think it was, inside 50 in that game. Um, and so they had lots of shots on goal. Um, you know, were they getting them in deep enough? Um, that might be part of the problem. But, I mean, I just wonder too with, the, you know, to Kiwi's point about um, training and, and time on their craft and time on goal kicking, um, is it also about, you know, kind of tired legs you know I know Adelaide had a proper full week off but we've had so many games compressed into short time frames and as the games go on and I haven't really looked at that to see whether the number of points scored is is um, occurring you know as the game goes on I think it was pretty much across the board Um, you know and we did have a really windy round the previous round but you know the Lions kicked three goals 13 in that round as well so I don't recall ever seeing so many games with double digit behinds so I think it's a a multiplicity of factors Um, but I you know, I also think it's just looking really congested. Sometimes you look up and there are, you know, all 32 pretty much players are inside 50. Um, and, you know, the whole idea of 16 aside, back to Kiwi's point at some stage earlier, was to uh, reduce congestion. Well, that's uh, that's not working. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, I think it could be a combination of all those things, you know. How I, but I don't recall it ever being like this before. I don't know about anybody else. Can I throw? Can the- I can I pitch to you then? <laughs> I'm doing a lot of pitching tonight. The stand rule, the sixteen aside, the lasso rule, were all brought in for quick 
moving the ball, less congestion, higher scoring games. Is FRW proving these rules don't work, ditch them? That's all. Kiwi, you don't even have to get me started on that because you know that I will back you 100%. And every week in our lounge room, we are lamenting where are the players when players are, you know, quick ball movement through the middle. Oh, look, there's nobody in the forward line. Oh, look, there's no one square to to centre the ball or to get it out the other side for a switch um, because there just aren't enough players on the field. We're playing on the same size field with ovals. We don't kick the ball as far. And the idea that for TV, 16 aside was going to make it more of a spectacle, you know, it's turned into an athletics race. Um, and I love the speed. I love the speed we've got in the game. Um, but the speed's not because of 16 aside. The speed's because of the players <laughs> that are, and, and the ball movement. It's not actually about anything to do with 16 aside. So, Kiwi, I'm with you. Let's get rid of all those rules and just play the same, pretty much the same game. You've mentioned ball movement, but not one critical thing, the ball itself. And a few players have been talking about this. Prior to AFLW, women's football used a Sharon 4.5 ball, but then the last exhibition game between Melbourne and the Western Bulldogs, no, before they started the AFLW competition, was when they changed the ball to a size 4. Now, both of you and your coaching, you've seen the difference from a 4.5 to a size 4 ball. How much does that ball, I guess, have extra movement in the wind when you try to pump it long and give it everything you've got with this lighter ball? Not as much as the AFL 9s ball. If you've ever kicked that, that's just bloody ridiculous. But anyway, um, I've got to say, look, I don't know. Okay, I'll be interested to see what Kiwi thinks and, and Fee, if you've observed anything. In coaching, when we moved from 4.5 to the 4, I think it was mostly positive. Mostly positive. I, I don't, I mean, I wasn't necessarily supportive of it, but I think that, you know, we're seeing lots of people being able to kick, 50, lots of players are kicking 50 metres plus now with the ball, um, you know, and a part of that will be strength and conditioning and technique and all the other things that contribute to that as well. Um, but I don't know. I mean, I, on a windy day, it's got to move probably. It's not going to weigh as much. I don't know what the weight difference is. Does anyone know? No, but it's about um, an inch in diameter and an inch in length um, in the sizes. But it is a lot lighter, and I do remember a lot of hamstrings going early on when the switch was done, and um, and it changes. There's a timing that it it changed from when you dropped it from your hand to your foot. It, because of the weight, is a little bit different the timing. So the kicks early on, the early seasons, or the early season. Um, was pretty errant kicking, especially set shots. But, yeah, the wind does have a huge factor with the size four. And really we only had the four and a half probably about five years, I think, maybe six yeah, years maybe before that we had the size 10, five. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, I mean, I think it is an improvement because, you know, women's hands are not the same size as men's, you know. But, I, yeah, I don't know whether we should have stuck with the 4.5 or the four. Um I don't know that that'll ever change, but uh, I'm all for the other rules. Yeah. The, the, I mean, I guess the bonus coming forward is that these next lot of kids that are getting drafted, that's all they know. You know, they've spent, what would it be, five, six, seven years playing with a size four before they get drafted. So that doesn't change for them. That's just, you know, constant and we'd expect high-quality skills. <laughs> so I think you know, I'll just probably close this off by saying that that was the biggest insult I thought that the women already had 
a ball that there was their size and then someone came in and decided that they should play with a kid's size ball. And I just thought, oh, like mind-blowingly insulting. Um, and I do remember going to matches in what was the um, second season of AFLW and seeing how once the wind caught it, it, it uh, a, a goal, what probably may have been a goal, may have been a goal, um, became a behind because the wind got, got hold of it because it was a lighter ball. I think I don't think they should have changed it based on what I've heard, mainly from you two. <laughs> um, but I don't see them changing it back because, uh, yeah, I just I, – also, I've also given with, up. I'm, I, you know, I'm just way. giving up. <laughs> think about the number of games we've played with really windy games, which is almost every game at Casey Fields. Um, if they play at Sandringham – or Frankston, that side of town, always windy. They've got Green one angle. team has to kick into the wind. So a lighter ball is not going to travel so well into the wind when already females kick roughly 30 to 40 metres. So then that wind shortens those kicks. So that means it's going to take longer kicks to get the ball down that end of the field. So there are also other sort of, re, you know, the downsides of having a lot of small ball apart from the insult was the biggest thing for me too. Let's have a look towards the tipping after what we can call round, uh, what is it, round seven of the AFLW because we have all these games jumbled up with midweek matches. Uh, Tracy Kick, where do we sit at the moment with the leaderboard? Well, uh, Joe, Joe Tails, Joe Tails, the Frio supporter, She's got six so far this week, and uh, she's at number one, followed by Jess Rook, rookie, the Swan supporter, also picked six this week. And Marianne, the Bulldog supporter, they've already also got six. Milko got five, so sitting at fourth, and so did Jason Curry, the Adelaide supporter, also with five. But there's a few looming in behind there. Um but uh, Joe Tails is out in front with 40, um, the only person on 40 wins, uh, 40, 40 wins, yeah, 40 wins at this season so far. So uh, they're looking very promising, but anything can happen. And, um, you know, we might be in for some surprises as the season runs through its last few rounds. So, uh, you know, there's hope for us all. I'm Katie Loins and you're listening to The Coat Hanger. Let's look ahead to the upcoming matches and things are a little bit confusing. They're all over the place. There's some makeup games in there. Uh, as we record, we record on Sunday night. So we've recorded ahead of the Brisbane Lions and Melbourne playing on Monday evening at Metricon Stadium, the traditional home of the Lions uh, being played uh, on the Gold Coast home ground. And then the next day on Gold Coast home ground at Metricon Stadium, the Gold Coast Suns on a Tuesday night play host to the Western Bulldogs. That is officially known as a round three game. And then what's officially known as a round five game happening on Wednesday, the 23rd of February, the Giants uh, play the Saints at Blacktown. Good luck getting there with the bounce down of 5.40 p.m. on a weeknight. And then we have round eight where there are at this present stage seven games, three on a Saturday, four on a Sunday. The matchups, Frio, Adelaide, Richmond, Geelong, Melbourne and the Kangaroos, St Kilda and the Gold Coast Suns, Collingwood Western Bulldogs, West Coast Eagles, Brisbane Lions, GWS versus uh, Carlton. Um, Before I ask about specifically what games you're looking forward to, for all three of you as just fans of the game, do you find it hard to follow or maybe even losing a slight bit of interest in the AFLW 
with now midweek games and everything jumbled up and we're not having our traditional one game on a Friday night, three on a Saturday, three on a Sunday? I will tell you, it is hard. Footy trainings are on weeknights. Let us go to footy train, train the future stars or the has-beens or the current fans of the game, but footy trainings are on. And I don't like it when the AFL is on a Thursday night either. That's just me. But I just think, yeah. Yeah, as the has-been, I'm loving the weekday footy because (laughs) I am watching it from every weeknight um, and loving it, but... Like I don't, I feel for the players. I feel for the competition. I, you know, I, there's a lot of things that are wrong with it. But in terms of having football to watch five nights a week, bring it on. I haven't lost interest at all, Peter. In fact, it's piqued my interest. Yeah, when I'm I was with Trace, I got agree. Yeah, I'm with Trace, so I, you know, I'm I'm out with an injury too. So, so I'm not usually two nights a week. I'd be doing choir, but that's not happening. So, um. So I'm enjoying watching. What I will say with the mismatch um, matches <laughs> where, where it's um, even with the Giants, I'm always watching the Giants. I couldn't really be bothered watching once it got to about three-quarter time. I just thought, oh, what's the point? I'm, I just had it on the in the background. Kind of and, I, I mean, that was, that, was, <laughs> that was a weekend match. But my point is more footy, loving it. And it's not more footy, it's just that it's condensed. But um, when it, when it's a top team versus a bottom team, it's it, it's I'll watch the bounce, <laughs> get through the first quarter, and if it's already blown out by then, I won't turn it off, but I might just do the washing up. <laughs> You've got a dishwasher. <laughs> Those games must be bad. Yeah, right here. Hey, um, I've got to say, this coming week, though, Frio take on Adelaide. Freya got the weekend off. Adelaide went to Sydney, went back to Adelaide, now go to WA. That could be an interesting game. Um, Also, we have to mention Katie Brennan. I think she has now gone 13 games scoring a goal, which nobody else has achieved. And remember, this is in a team that last year didn't do very well at all. So since round three of last season, she has kicked a goal in every match, which I think that's a pretty phenomenal achievement for a team that's not in the top six. Shout out to Taylor Stahl, former Newtown breakaway, seeing as we're talking Sydney 40 for kicking the first two goals in the, in the game um, this weekend. Um, and uh, she looks like she's enjoying her footy. So good on you, Taylor. But Tracy and uh, Fee, what games take your interest this coming weekend? Oh, look, Melbourne and North is going to be another ripper, isn't it? It's going to be a bit of a decider. See how, you know, Melbourne will have played already midweek against the Lions and be backing up. So that'll be interesting um, to see how they go. Um, I reckon Melbourne have got a few few gaps, a few gaps in their game plan, not in their players, just in their game plan. So I'll be interested to see how how North deal with that. Um and um, I don't know, Fee, any others there grabbing your attention? I mean, really, the Giants and Carlton, if the, if the Giants can't beat Carlton, that's really going to be, a, you know, a, an interesting slog, isn't it? Uh, that, I think they've, you've just given them the kiss of death now, Trace. <laughs> Where, have they ever beaten Carlton? I don't know that they have. I mean, I not know at, it's a different... Not at, not at Dremont in 2019, 18, <laughs> I can assure you. Under hey, the, in fairness, they're playing on emotion because that's when um, 
the coach had did he have a stroke or something the week before? Or he was in the week before and he was yep. away from the game. And then Brent yep. Davies went down with their knee. Yep. So they were on pure emotion. Probably also they were scared of all the lightning that was around. But mm, who wasn't? <laughs> it's pretty scary. Can or Monica Oval? Sorry for the Aussies. Can that Oval provide the same entertainment as Des Moines? That's my question. Monica, who's playing at Monica? That's where the game oh, is. Oh, that's where it is. Sorry, I thought that was – I beg your pardon. I thought that was out of Blacktown, but that's the one midweek. Um, no, so I'll be interested to see uh, St Kilda versus Gold Coast. I think um, – I mean, at the moment on the tipping, people are going for St Kilda. I, I, really? I, reckon, I reckon Gold Coast will win, but I think, I think they'll both be two desperate sides and um, I think it will be a good match. Um, apart from that – Nothing. <laughs> Look, Bulldogs I reckon and Collingwood Kiwi because you know, like you know, <laughs> the, the Bulldogs are the Bulldogs have finally found a bit of form. Um, they have. Collingwood have pies are really shaky. And, yeah, they're a bit shaky, aren't they? So you that, missed that last week's show where we had Emma and Nat in. It would have been interesting this week and would have been one for M to get back at Nat after yep. last season's results. <laughs> but unfortunately, neither of them are here this week. Yes, so right. yeah, North are finding form at the right time of the year and I think Bulldogs aren't that far behind. They're, you know, finding form at the right time. And what Pies. the hell was going on with Pies today? It was like I was watching them play <laughs> as imposters of GWS. That's what it felt like. It felt like an absolute walkover. And – um it, yeah. You've got to question a few things, right? And, you know, there may be some fans out there that might not like to listen, so you might want to go on mute for right now. At halftime, Chloe Malloy, zero. Bella Smith, zero. Soph Casey, one. Stacey Livingston, one. Jordan Allen, two. Ali Chaston, two. Erica Fowler, two. Tiny Brown, three. Um, Al Downey's right. We're three. getting near the ball. These they're are disposals, the and some of them are their key players. And if your key players in half a game, that's half time, can't get a single touch on the footy, Chloe Malloy is out and out one of the best players in the competition. That's two games now that she's just absolutely gone missing. And whether it's a result coming back from COVID or something else is going on, but they just had her too far from the ball. I think, you know, she – and she's, she is a player that will change a game for you. Um, Jamie Lambert didn't have a lot of touches either, and she's another game breaker. And it looked to me like she was too intense. She does have a little bit of a fiery streak. Too intent to going in and getting the player instead of getting the football. And, you know, and I know they talked a little bit about the rivalry before the game and there was a bit going on on the field. And, you know, focus on the football girls. Uh, and, you know, you're coming off some results that haven't gone your way and they haven't been quality. Get get back into the game and get your hands on the football. Well, before um, the game she was talking and saying how much she hates North and Beck Goddard went all very Zen and all very Buddhist, I must say, saying that um, if you're going to hate someone, it's like taking poison and expecting uh, the other person to die. Drink, yeah, drinking poison, expecting them to die. So just in time for Losar. Losar is the Tibetan oh, New Year, and that's in the uh, 5th, of, 5th of March, which coincides with Mardi Gras. Just saying. 
my. Can I ask, though, do you think she was having a go at Emma King for leaving? Because all I heard is say something about loyalty. And I don't know if there's any other North players that came from Magpies. Pete, uh, yeah, you may Hope, know. Hope, Well, I was Garner. thinking of Moana Hope. Yeah, but she doesn't play anymore. Ja- Jazz Garner. Jazz Garner was oh, originally Garner from Collingwood. Well, right. yeah. So, and I thought and Emma Jess King Duffin. today. And Jess Duffin. Okay. Oh, she did too, yes. I thought King today, and I don't know what her stats on other games. I think today she must have had a game high. I think she had some like 20 disposals, a couple of goals, a bunch of marks. Like, I think she just absolutely played out of her skin. And if you're going to. She's been phenomenal this season, though. I mean, she's always good, but she was great today. You know, if you're going to, what is it, talk the talk, you need to walk the walk. And there was no walking. And on that note, we better get walking. It's just about time to uh, hand over to the next show here on 2SER 107.3 FM. That means it's time for our farewells. Thank you again to Tracy Kick and to Coach Kiwi and a warm welcome back to Fifi Lamb. Fifi Lamb! It's all right. It's all right, Pete. Uh, I will forgive you. It's only family are allowed to call me Fifi, and you're almost family, so it's okay. <laughs> From the oh, He's done a ripper like job him. in your seat. <laughs> now time for the fifth quarter, and what we're going to do, a little game of thumbs up, thumbs down on how each side is going at this point in the season. Some teams have not played their full seven matches, some have, and we'll let you know where, where they are on the ladder and how many games they've played. So let's begin first of all, and we'll go around in uh, in alphabetical order. The Adelaide Crows at the top of the table, seven wins, 24 points. Are we all thumbs up? Yeah. Yep, thumbs up. Up from me. Everyone's happy with them. The Fremantle Dockers are sitting second, seven games, 24 points on the table. They pass muster with everyone? Yep, for sure. Yep, yep. That is thumbs. Fine. That is thumbs up. North Melbourne, third on the table, played seven games, twenty-four points. They all pass muster with everyone. Yep, absolutely. As Kiwi said, they're hitting form at the right time. Interesting one, Melbourne, who have always been thereabouts at that end of the ladder without winning a flag. They're fourth. They've played one game less on six uh, games played, twenty points. Thumbs up, or maybe they're underperforming. What do we think? Consistent with every other season, they're thereabouts. <laughs> I reckon they're, reckon they're, they're not thumbs up or thumbs down. They're just kind of coasting and they either need to click in the gear or they're going to be overrun by the other teams. The, Maybe they're saving themselves for something special. That's true. Year. That's true. That's true. The reigning premiers, the Brisbane Lions, have played six games. They're also sitting on 20 points. Fifth on the ladder for the reigning premiers. But remember, Kate Luckins went down with the ACL in the first game and they lost to Adelaide Crows. Are we happy with a thumbs up? Are they, or are they thumbs down for sitting fifth? Thumbs up from me. And I love Courtney Hodder. It's, it's, uh, it's official. <laughs> I reckon probably me. a thumbs down that they're sitting fifth, but I reckon don't write them off. I reckon they're still coming home and coming strong. So Their team first. Mentality and their strength across the lines. And anyway, they may have Lutkins out, but they've got Monaghan and Monaghanomania. Monaghanomania Monaghanomania is happening. (laughs) Collingwood Football Club. They got the Collywobbles. On the ladder. (laughs) Seven games, only 16 points, which means they've won four games. But... Bree Davey went down with an ACL in the first game. Ash Brazel says, I'm playing netball this year. I'm not playing footy. Steph Kiochi has been out with injuries. Chloe Malloy cop COVID. 
Is those excuses enough to satisfy you with a thumbs up? Is it meh or is it thumbs down for a side that maybe some thought could be a shot at the flag? I'm just hearing excuses, Pete. It's thumbs down from me. Yeah, thumbs down. <laughs> They've got quality all through that list. Even even players, when you can bring in Alicia Newman in, out, in, out, Tiny Brown, in, out, in. Quality players, thumbs down. Holly Wobbles, thumbs down. The Western... Bulldogs are sitting seventh. Now, quite a few of us were, and I'm one of them, were ready to go, oh, geez, Berkey at the Bulldogs, geez, I don't know. They've played six games. They've won half of them. Percentage is a bit weak at around 80-odd percent. But one win outside the top six, including a three-week gap due to COVID protocols. Are we thumbs up or thumbs down on the doggies? I'm going to say thumbs down. (laughs) You're wearing the jumper. I'm going to say <laughs> thumbs up. Are they going to make the six? I don't think so, but I think they're on the improve. What's in between a thumbs up and a swamp thumbs down? Um, but, yeah, I think they're on the improve. I think they've started. On the fence. On the fence. Yep, I've got splinters. <laughs> I'm on the fence. I think they're sitting around about where we predicted they would sit at the beginning of the year. No, I reckon they're about to go off the uh, precipice. <laughs> <laughs> Last year, I reckon they were surprised that they did so well in those games. Anyway, <laughs> they beat Adelaide. I know. Last year's wooden spooners, the Gold Coast Suns, are sitting eighth. They've played six games. They've won half of them. Thumbs up, thumbs down. I'm going to say thumbs up. Thumbs up. Thumbs up. I think they're they're improving. They'll keep improving. Mm. The Richmond Tigers ninth. Played seven games and only won two. When they started the year, all of a sudden said, oh, here come the Tigers after what they did to the Saints in that opening game at Frankston. Since then, <laughs> thumbs up, thumbs down. Yeah. I like them, oh. but thumbs down. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go thumbs down. I thought they would do better. This week will be interesting against Geelong. Both teams have played some really good footy and had some really close losses. So it'd be interesting to see which one gets the four points. Mm. So quality midfield. And, you know, when they get going, they're really awesome. They just haven't been able to string four quarters, I don't reckon. Well, I'm on the fence. I've got the splinters in my backside. <laughs> in 10th position after being 13th when we started the weekend, Carlton, seven games played, a percentage of 624 they have won two games, remembering that three years ago they played in the grand final and who knows what could have happened in 2020. Of course, they lost Taylor Harris. They lost um, they lost Katie Loins and Alison Downer and Jess Hosking. Um, where are we at with Carlton? Thumbs up, thumbs down for 10th. Oh, they're just disappointing, really. I'm going thumbs down. Thumbs down. Their list is too good. They've got yep. a solid midfield. Yep, they should be better than they are. They're Thumbs too down. short. I've said it all, all year. Have a look at their list. It's a more home. At 11th, the Greater Western Sydney Giants played six games. They've won two of them, a percentage of 58. Thumbs up, thumbs down for a side that also finished mid-table last year. I'm very sad, <laughs> but it's thumbs down. <laughs> thumbs down. The, um, their, their list isn't bad. They're just playing bad. Thumbs down. They've got a lot of easy games. If they can't make something of those, that'll be. I reckon they can fun. come home strong, though. They've got. They could get two two wins this week, and then you know they could jump them up. 
Come on, they're playing St Kilda and Carlton. Mm. Yeah, well, uh, but that's what I said. Their run home is easy. So, you know, if they can find some form, they're in with half a chance, but are they going to compete with the other strong teams? Not a chance for me. Strangely, as it sits, they are two wins outside of the six. Um, In 12th position, the Geelong Cats, they've played seven games and they've won one. All I heard about in the first month of footy was Geelong. Oh, they looked improved. Look how improved they are. But they've won one game. Thumbs up, thumbs down. This is a hard one. Yeah, they've played top teams too, although they lost to Carlton, didn't they? No. They lost nearly all their games by fewer than 14 points. Yeah. Um, look, they've gone back to their improvement. Old, yeah, they've gone back to their old ways of not scoring goals. So well, if, if Emma was here, goes. she'd give us a lecture on you've got to score goals to win games, which, of course, is fairly <laughs> obvious. But, yes, so um, maybe it sums down because they don't kick enough goals yeah it's I I wish it wasn't but I'm gonna do thumbs down the West Coast Eagles 13th on the ladder that means second last played seven games won one game in a thriller against St Kilda but were on the road for four weeks oh and throwing COVID in there as well just for fun thumbs up thumbs down here's your get out of jail pass Get out of jail. I'm going to give them a get out of jail because if because their coach thinks uh, <laughs> thinks pride is done to, done to death. And I don't know how I could perform under a coach who would say such a thing. So a get out of jail. Thumbs up from me. Hey, Freo have been on the road for four weeks as well now on top of the ladder. So it's a thumbs down from me for the West Coast. Sorry. So, yeah, I Everyone's guess I'm kind of <laughs> yeah, I not, think I not mean it was really not really following the rules, am I? <laughs> I it was care. good to see them get a win, but you know, I just think, and they got some good goals in the weekend. Just they let in more than they got. Shout um, out to Swanee, but one player does not make a team, as you pointed out earlier. Thumbs down for me. And St Kilda, 14th, played six games, not a single win, percentage of 40.4. Do I get a thumbs up from anywhere? Anybody got a thumbs up? I'm looking for a thumbs up. Double thumbs down. (laughs) Double thumbs down, that's right. (laughs) Yeah, sorry. Can't give that a thumbs up. Oh, that was the fifth quarter. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, Tracy. Thanks, Coach Kiwi. And thanks, Fee Lamb. We look forward to speaking to you again next week. Thanks, Pete. Thanks, Pete. Thanks, Pete.